Hello! Well, it's the one you have all been waiting for. Well, that a couple of people have been waiting for, probably 20 listeners. Um, it is uh, stand-up comedian, television host of the great British Sewing Bee, and Joe Lysett's got your back. It is, of course, Joe Lysett. Um, Joe was kind enough to give me some time, um, what, two or three weeks ago now, and uh, just wanted to... Uh, get all that edited and, and get that out today. So uh, thank you for downloading. Um, if you want to watch this on YouTube, uh, it's available uh, on the YouTube channel, The Mental Case Podcast. Um, and keep your questions coming. Anything you want me to ask uh, future guests, any suggestions for future guests, anything you want to share in terms of mental health, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, um, I'm going to shut up and let us get on with the podcast as we welcome Mr. Joe Lysett. should say also um that the tintin thing he refers to is a big tintin print that i have um in in the camera shot of the um uh, of when i record the podcast so that's what he refers to right at the start otherwise none of that start bit will make any sense okay all right i'm gonna go now bye bye love you hello hello joe how you doing i'm good how are you i'm all right mate how are you yeah, I mean, I'm blown away by this Tintin thing already. I love Tintin. Do you actually love Tintin? Yeah, my, um, my nan, bless her soul, she's um, long dead. When I was a kid, I loved Tintin so much that she knitted me a snowy um, doll, Ooh. which I still have on my bed. Ah, oh, that, that's got to be a you know, head turner when the bedroom action begins, right? Yes, I mean, there's all sorts of things in there that... <laughs> Uh, a, a real buzz kills for any um, potential lovers. Fortunately, there aren't there aren't any on the cards currently because I'm not allowed. Well, one I'm not allowed. Two, yes. they're not, they're not queuing up really. If I'm honest, come on now, come on now, Joe, come on. Surely, surely the success is a is it's got to help. God, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But um, <laughs> here I am, I'm a tard. They're put off. They're put off by it. Where are you? Where in the world are you? I, I live in Worcester, so well, oh. obviously. When we used to uh, speak before, so do you, here's a question, Joe. So yeah. uh, by the way, I've already given you an introduction in a pre-record thing, so I don't, I don't think I need to give you much of an introduction. It's okay, fine. Joe Lysett off the telly box. We've all seen it. Hello. Yes. Um, so um, I, mean, I will talk about your career and stuff. But, um, so do you remember me at all from the hospital radio days? No. No, I didn't think you would, and that's fine. Well, uh, when was your did you have a show you must must have had a show we yeah i had a show i i did the same i listened to the uh to ian's podcast the other day the as yeah. unnamed podcast podcast that you were very good on and uh basically i think we had the very same thing which was we we sort of sat in with him for a while then he was given our own show and um yeah okay. i used to just wind him up that was my job i just used to say things on air that i wasn't allowed to say and what we didn't ian. we didn't cross over though we didn't have we were we were in the same room maybe about three times i Okay. Yeah, but I, I tell you what, here's something I can show you. It's not a good picture of me. You look pretty much exactly the same, Joe. So that's me and you, uh, if you can see oh. that. Oh. I mean, oh, wow. that's actually a moment I think I made you, you look, laugh. You do look different. You look different. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the cap, by the were way. You, I think you were, was that when I went in after I'd started at uni? So this was, so you were, uh, this will be why. That's exactly I, it. I kind of came in and I think there were a few people that I met and I'm, I'm shit at that, remembering people. No, no, I, mate, I don't, I, I don't expect you to at all. And, and what I sort of tell people about when, you know, you've obviously as you've risen to the, the dizzying heights, I'll just be like, you know, I remember you saying, I'm going to start stand up. And I was like, yeah. and I wasn't one of these people that went, that's not a career. I was very jealous. So I was like, I want to do stand up. And, and I remember, I think you had a joke at the time about dropping a gay card. I think you mentioned that. And I, yeah. saw, I saw a clip and I was like, that's brilliant. And then, and then before, one of my, yeah. that could have been my first sort of proper <laughs> joke. <laughs> the gay card thing how it, funny it was it's the, the i think the clips well that's the trouble with youtube i guess it's all still out there for you to pour yeah, over fine. it's all growth isn't it it's uh, I, I i sometimes struggle to watch things that i've done from ages ago but i um i sort of feel silly for f feeling like that because uh you only get anywhere by doing by fucking it up and doing <laughs> silly shit and going oh god i made myself look like a right twat there oh that's the only way that you um grow and improve so now when i interviewed ian i said like i don't want to listen back to the midi recordings of my show on hostel radio i'm sure it's dog shit and i don't want to hear it ever yeah ever, ever, ever. but I, I, and i totally am with you but do not feel like there might be some uh something edifying from listening to it uh yeah yeah, maybe. <laughs> see, no, see, see how much I agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's weird because, so you grew up in Birmingham, right? Because I grew up in, in Redditch where the hospital radio pulse, Alexander Hospital, all yeah. that shit. Um, so I, because you reference Birmingham quite often. So I always feel like, yeah, I know Birmingham. I know the boring. Yeah. Um, uh, it gets a good, it gets a good uh, mention on this podcast, Birmingham and Redditch. It's... Well, that, that I, I do that because I, used to you know when you watch telly and you see somewhere you recognize like a high street or whatever yeah like, oh my god i've been to that tesco or whatever you get all Shut excited up. yeah so, uh I, I like to reference birmingham because it i think people from birmingham will have that sort of like oh yeah i know like it feels nice to kind of have something that you are familiar with and you feel like is a part of your regular life recognized somewhere else Oh yeah, totally. You know, like I've got, this sounds bad, but I've got no interest in world news whatsoever. But if it's, you know, a corner shop around the corner has been robbed. Yes, please. I'd yeah. Like to, I'd like to well, hear more about that. Yeah. Cause it's, it's more relevant to you. Yeah. I'm about to, just being clear. I'm not happy that they've been robbed. It sounded like well, I was quite... I mean, it depends, depends, depends who the robbers were. Well, they've been, they've been robbing me for bottles of wine for the last, uh, well, here's a question. Yeah. How's, how's the drinking going in lockdown? I've drunk far too much and I'm hungover today. <laughs> I've got an excuse today, which is uh, yesterday I got nominated for a BAFTA, no big deal. And um, so I just got totally twatted, didn't I? Um, Craig Dealey, who is a brilliant uh, Birmingham-based stand-up, actually, um, he wrote a tweet today, which I, I texted him. I said, I felt very seen. I'm going to find it because um, I, I don't want to get it wrong. Um, but it was very funny. He's a, he's a really funny stand-up. Um, uh, and it's to do with drinking in lockdown. During lockdown, only having half a bottle of wine counts as having a night off the booze. And I messaged, I, I replied to that tweet saying, yes, last night I had three nights off the booze. That's it. I can, a, a bottle is, is no obstacle now. 
Oh, mate, I know. It's, uh, so it's, it's interesting. And I don't want to give Ian too much billing on his podcast, but, you know, let's face it, he's, he's doing all right, that, that lad. Well done. Yeah. So you referenced, there was one point in that, it was, made me laugh because as a, as a drinker, sometimes, I mean, I have a little beer on the go now. A little, Do you? little brew dog. Oh, Ooh, God, yeah. Maybe I'll get one. Surely. It's, Can yeah. I go and get one? Yeah, man, go. It's four o'clock, I'll go and get a beer. Jesus, I should have had five by now. Hang on. Hold that thought. Mm. This is exciting. Joe's gone to get a beer. Um, so this is how enabling works with uh, drinking. Um, you, you mention it because you want to make yourself feel better. And then, uh, and then they go off and get a beer. And then they, they come back and then you feel good. So you're not drinking on your own. And um, yeah, and obviously if Joe listens back to this, he'll, he'll hear that. Um, lovely shot of Joe Lysett's uh, uh, room there. Is that his, that's, his, that's his flat. That little, he's, coming, great. he's coming back. God, you've um, you've uh, it's hair of the dog for me. This, and I was umming and ahhing about having one earlier, and I thought, no, I should be professional on this podcast. No, mate, there's no professional. You're having one. Well, I just explained to the fuck listeners. Yeah, fucking. I just explained to the listeners. This is how enabling works. So I was having a drink. I made myself feel better, and then you were like, "Hang on, so hang on." This yeah. is fine, right? But what I don't want to hear from anyone, Joe, is when, oh my god. Um, someone put you know well is it too early to start drinking on facebook and what what do you think the standard response is that was on that group boring lazy um shit it was it was shit it was the and i say that mainly just because it's facebook because facebook is uh the the social media of the um uh i don't know how to describe them there's a there's a certain type of person on facebook that you don't get on the gram they don't really understand the gram, but there's certain people who are on the gram that w- wouldn't see, wouldn't be seen dead on Facebook. Uh, and then Twitter's just fuck knows what Twitter is. Uh, what well, was the response to this? It's Facebook? five p.m. somewhere. <laughs> it's, it's, hey! And you know when people say things like that, and you go, "Yeah, mm. just to be better than that. You've got to be better than that. Don't just say I wrote, the things." I actually wrote some stand-up about the um, the it's five o'clock somewhere. Mm. Um, because uh, th- there's a there's a flaw in that, in that if it's that that works if it is bang on the hour where you are, but if mm. it's quarter past two, it's not five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> it's not five o'clock anywhere. It could be quarter past five. Yeah. Quarter past six. Yeah. Could yeah. Be quarter past four. Uh, but it's n- it, nowhere on the planet is it five o'clock somewhere. That's right. Have you right ever been, now, have, have you ever been accused? It's ten past four, so it's no, it, it can't possibly be five o'clock somewhere. And Joe, have you ever been accused of pedantry? No, no. <laughs> I don't know why people would say anything <laughs> of the sort about me. No, no. By the way, I'm going to take the cap off just so you can see what's going. So that's that's what we've got going on at the minute. That's nice. I Is am that... actually cutting my own hair, but I went a bit too high up there, so I can't. It's not good. I did my own with a first time ever with clippers. And I good. quite like it. I feel like I look like a lad. Do you know what oh, I mean? I'd cross the street. Like you, exactly. You'd be worried to see me in an alleyway. Well, for several reasons, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As long as you weren't shooting up, because I know that's something you want to put behind you, right? Um, you did well, ask me not to mention that. I know. Well, I mean, in lockdown, there's not a lot else to do, is there? <laughs> yeah. And once, I... <laughs> once you've polished off a bottle of Gavi de Gavi, the natural progression is heroin. A night off shooting off is only having half the amount of heroin. <laughs> you used to have. There you go. There um, you go. So how have you been getting through lockdown, man? 
so one thing that um, I used to do, which um, I stopped when I started doing stand-up, was um, make little films. Well, I say make little films. I, I made a feature-length film when I was 19, 20. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, case in point, I do not want to watch that film. Uh, it's definitely not something that um, I will find pl pleasant to watch. I'll find it nostalgic, but I'll be embarrassed because it was very teenage angsty. You know, oh my God, I'm so clever. Um, essentially a piece of shit. <laughs> I learned loads doing it and I've always loved film and I've loved, um, I, I've always wanted to make a music video. And I just love um, that, the, the, the possibilities of it. It's, um, it's a medium that um, can do so much. Mm. But then I got into stand-up and the immediacy of stand-up and the, the hit of adrenaline and the creative um, buzz that you get from it completely distracted me from film. So I didn't really, I didn't make anything. And I made bits of telly, but that's other people filming me, obviously. Um, I didn't really have any creative control over which shots and whatever. And so in lockdown, uh, I've, I've started to relearn it and I got a little camera and I'm, I'm gonna make some little shorts and I probably won't do anything with them. I'm not gonna put them anywhere, I think. Um, I'm just gonna, gonna use them to learn. Are you gonna wear the little shorts? And then I'll wear, <laughs> very nice, uh, uh, make, make some little shorts. <laughs> them on. Everyone will be like, How's, how, why is he wearing an SD card? Um, well, you are host of the Great British Sewing Bee, mate. So surely you've picked up a few little tips. Oh no, absolutely not. I am, um, <laughs> it's in one ear and out the other with the old sewing tips. Mm. I know some of the lingo, but uh, I'm not, it's not for me really. Um, I mean, it might be at some point, but right now that's not the thing that creatively is getting me going. Um, that's good. I mean, I love hosting the Sewing Bee, but I, I, when I watch them do it, I think, God, that's fiddly. And I'm not great with fiddly stuff. Yeah. And would you even want the end result, really? I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm similar to, I like making yeah. films and stuff like that. Mm. And I've always wanted to do, you know, I always do radio and that didn't happen. I mean, what I end up doing is a podcast that, you know, people might listen to your episode, Joe, because, you know, you, you're, you're a you're a lovely man but so the, the setup here is you know my, my microphone is balanced on a just eat box um, nice. it's not exactly it's not high production values it's got to be said i think it's i, I think there's a charm to it i don't i think <laughs> I, I i think so um there's uh what's the radio play it's global in um mm in Leicester Square in London. They've got a load of different radio stations. They've got all these like ridiculous things that, um, like there's a, there's a wall that sort of moves on a motor and it can change logo depending on what radio station the presenter is hosting from and all this stuff. And I was just thinking, what a total waste of money. It's <laughs> like, what, a, what a lot of fuss and nonsense. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't make any of the, I don't, I'm not sure any of the presenters get in there and go, Fucking hell, there's a motorised wall. I'm going to present the best show of my life now. Jesus, this is going to get content going. Oh, yeah. God, this is it. This is it. It's just a lot of nonsense to me. Right. So I think, I think all you need is a microphone and uh, 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 a willingness. That's it, really. You don't need anything else. Exactly. Mate, you know, Frank's going to make this point on his show. I listen to his podcast a lot. And he said sort of, you know, like, be better than he was listening to a capital link. He's like... Why even? Why are you even doing that link? What? What's yeah. the point in that show? You know, I just can't. Yeah. I'm not having to go capital, but you should. 
I sort of am. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I am, I absolutely. And I think radio should be better and it should be a bit nuanced and it should be niche. And something I have to talk about. So this is, right, this is the mental. I, I should point out, Capital, I've been on Capital a few times and they've got some very talented DJs on there. Yes, yes. But it is, it's, this is a different thing that we're making. Exactly. And I don't actually expect much crossover in listenership, if I'm honest. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, you never um, know. No. So this is the Mental Case podcast, and I am meant to talk about mental health. I sort of, what I didn't want to, as I said to you when we were emailing back and forth about doing this, I don't want it to be like this po-faced radio form. Anyway, then I got depressed. Mm. And it was at that point, I was drinking quite heavily. I just mm. want to go, yeah, I've got depression and anxiety have had for many years. I'd have therapy and I take a bit of medication. That's all good. Um, but how's your mental health today? Good. Today it's good. Um, weirdly, somebody tweeted this about a week ago. I think he's a vice writer. I can't remember. I, I don't follow him, but I saw someone retweet it or comment on it, which is, um, he said, um, on potentially unpopular opinion, sometimes having a hangover is quite nice and i uh that resonates with me if you've got the if you can just piss about with your day which isn't exactly what i've done today i've done a few quite a few things but if if there's nothing too heavy and oppressing it's actually sometimes quite nice to have that sort of like slightly hazy sleepy snoozy day mm -hmm. and um and that's where I'm at, really. And then going up, well, I'll have, a, I'll have a little cheeky beer to take the edge off and all that. Um, I, I, I'm there. So my mental health today is pretty robust, actually. Um, I've done a bit of gardening, which is always good for the, for the mind. They said, I, I'd love to find the study, actually, that something like 30 minutes of gardening a day is the equivalent, if you do that for three months or something, is the equivalent of three months of to cbt sessions a week really it's like it like it has the this a similar effect on your mental well-being like the same sort of thing where you stroke an animal right that releases some sort of crazy mm. endorphin not endorphins but you know serotonin levels are yeah. proven to go up if you're stroking a, a, a pussy <laughs> hey come on now i understand you've got a new cat mate yeah winston he'll be around so he's winston. probably sneezing winston um, winston winston he does he does sometimes come when i call him but um uh he's he, he probably won't now because it is very much nap time he will emerge six seven o'clock and then go out to do some whatever he does out there i don't know kill things i imagine um yeah they they like doing that that's why i got rid of my cat killing things i said i got rid of my cat i i, I gave him to a, a family that that her to a family but i did have children so you know once children start popping along you yeah. gotta get rid of the animals mate you can't really stroke your kids in the same way they <laughs> Oh, well, it's frowned upon. It is. It is frowned upon. They essentially throw a grenade into your hopes and dreams. They do, and the, the you know you have the aftermath is uh, horrific. Uh, and then, in terms of mental health, you really tune into your own mental health and go, "Oh, don't fuck the kids up." Yeah. Don't you let you know. So even if I hear it, I'm like, "Be careful," because yes. I would say there's a lot of stuff, nature, nurture, all that sort of stuff to do with mental health. But a lot of it comes from childhood and all that sort of stuff um which you can't do with winston winston's not going to tune into if you have a bad day is he i think he does actually he, he does seem to have a bit of um i think animals do have a bit of a sixth sense to 
when you're feeling a bit sort of sullen or whatever. Mm. A couple of days ago, I wasn't feeling sad. I was just sort of tired and a bit sort of um, just a bit knackered, really. And so I just had a bit of a sofa day, watched some films. And he doesn't, in the mornings he's loving and then the rest of the day he just fucks off. And for whatever reason, he seemed to be very clingy. And I think it was just, he was, he was like, oh, I can see he's just a bit knackered and whatever on the sofa and I'll go and hang out with him. Oh, that's nice. That was quite nice. I, I, I liked that. But um, I know it's a friend of mine that was very ill for a while and he had a cat and the cat, um, we reckon, could absolutely sense when he was unwell. And we, we took the cat to the vet at one point because um, it was molting a bit and whatever. And they mm. said that the cat had stress. I was thinking, oh, it's such an absurd kind of word for an animal like as, as if the cat's going i've got a lot on <laughs> you know, like it sort of it seems like an absurd uh state for a for a what, what stress yeah i mean i get yeah. it if it's but you, you i get it if it's in like a cage and it wants to get out that's that's a kind of stress or whatever but you looked at the cat and it was just asleep most of the time yeah surely they don't have existential worry do they no yeah like, what's my place in yeah. this garden with the, I don't get it. You know, there's yeah. other cats on the street. Are they? They don't feel guilt. No. Yeah. I, I hope. I hope. Do you know? I hope they bloody well do because that the fucking things. cat I got rid of. Mm. The thing she used to do. Um, mm. mate, do you mind talking? How how open do you want to like? What's your history with mental health? Have you? Always I'm an been, open book, mate. What the fuck do you want to know? Have you always been tip top, happy, hunky dory, happy man? Pretty much most of my life, I've had. Uh, I've been very fortunate to have robust mental health i've not had many issues i've had ups of downs of you know uh, felt low about things but normally known what the trigger is normally been able to do something about it i've i've never suffered with depression i still haven't mm. um i've been really lucky however in the last two years i would say I've had, uh, in varying degrees, bouts of anxiety, okay. which uh, have manifested at least once, and I think maybe thrice, um, in a in a panic attack. But I definitely had one panic attack because um, I thought I was dying because that's what happens. Mm. And I was driving back. I was in the middle of a tour, and uh, I was also doing loads of telly, and just there was a lot on my plate, and. It was all delicious, but when you have too many delicious things on the plate, you get it's too rich, you get heartburn, you get a panic attack. And I, uh, <laughs> I'd got, I'd done a gig in Brighton, one yep. of the best of the tour. It was great fun. I didn't feel right afterwards. I went to bed. I drove, started to drive back to Birmingham. I was uh, driving back to see my god. I've got a non-religious goddaughter. She's my promised daughter. And she was staying for the weekend. So I was driving back and I was looking forward to seeing her and thinking through everything we were going to do that weekend and whatever. But I was a bit hungover. And then just something started to happen. I don't know what. And I thought I was having a heart attack. I, I thought something was seriously wrong. And so I came off the motorway and I found like this National Trust place and I pulled over and these very nice cyclists were sat outside having done a cycle ride. And I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. Do you mind just sitting with me while I um, ring 111, basically? And they said, no, fuck off. You haven't got a National Trust card. Now get out. And they said exactly that. <laughs> and uh, I rang them and they were like, yeah, uh, sounds like you need to get to any pretty quick. Don't drive yourself. 
whatever. So one of them waited. I got a cab there, and then I sat in A and E in I didn't even know what hospital it was for hours and that was a good sign to me because it meant that they thought I was low down on the list they did they they took me in straight away and did like a quick test you know the stuff to test if you're having a heart attack yeah and I obviously wasn't so then they just put me to one side while they dealt with proper things uh not that a panic attack or mental health isn't proper but um you know it's not as pressing as uh, I, I can read I can see the mail online headline now lice it slams mental health as not proper yeah yeah um so uh yeah so uh then I kind of you know after that I thought mm, something's not right here is it um so then I started therapy and I found therapy it was CBT that I did um which is a form of CBT called acceptance and commitment therapy which basically I love it because it's a, a real face your fears kind of thing it isn't about resisting it it's not uh, and, and my therapist basically because i didn't drive afterwards for a little while because i was like oh god what if it happens again i crash or whatever and the therapist was like you need to get behind the wheel of a car again you need to have you need to will a panic attack you need to have another one and you need to see it for what it is it's uncomfortable it's not very nice uh, you obviously don't w- want to be like that forever but it can't last for long the the the, the, the chemicals can't you physically can't um be in panic for longer than an hour essentially and um it's fine it's not nice but like you know you have to sometimes eat vegetables you don't like or there's lots of things you don't want to do exercise can be painful but you just push through it and i loved that because it gave me like a a thing to do and actually it's what i managed to do with stand-up the nerves were crippling when i started with stand-up And I felt sick and I felt like, oh God, I can't. And then the minute I realized that actually I could channel them and I could use them to kind of go, oh God, oh God. Or I can go like, woo, here we go. This is the time for the show. And you start to kind of get a bit of movement in your body and you start yeah. to think, oh, what could happen? Anything could happen. Somebody might call me a prick and what will I do with that? And like, you start to get excited by them rather than seeing them as the enemy. And, um, and so that's what I started to do with my anxiety with mixed results, but generally positive, um, in that like, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but you just go like, okay, we're riding this wave. Come at me. Let's see what happens. And, um, I think that's weirdly really effective. No, that's, and I think, so we had a, the first episode of this that went out on Wednesday, I think this that we're recording on 5th of June will go out in a couple of weeks that's a cbt therapist a friend of mine who moved to australia and she was talking about that sort of thing of getting her patients to face so one of them had a fear of vomiting in public so she herself made herself sick outside the boring in front of the patient the patient was watching from a distance to show her what would actually happen people might go oh she's vomited but so what What? i know bad so she she, uh not the patient, the therapist herself. Yeah, went out to the bull ring and just what shoved the fingers down her throat. Vomited up a McDonald's milkshake. Wowie, that's commitment to the cause, right? But she said, that like, is, I mean, is that is that uh, you know verified therapy? Oh no, she's been struck off. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> no, she's she. Where did she? I mean. <laughs> What a vibe that is. But, well, she's, she's done less crazy things like someone said, you know, if I break her. What's I, the fear of, what if the fear is like shitting yourself? Mate, that's exactly what I said. I said, I've got a fear of shitting myself in the, in the boring. Can you show me that that's not going to? And she was like, hang on, have they just been winding me up? Because this could be a thing that they just go, well, I know we yeah. get to do this. <laughs> I um, have a fear of, 
having sex with <laughs> you. But you could do that, and then she's like, oh, no, oh, no. I mean, let me show you. It's going to be fine. I'll hold your hand through the whole process. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, the, the long-term game with the CBT stuff with that is to get the patient to eventually not do it themselves, but something like less crazy, you know, someone had a fear of a glass breaking in a bar, like your drink slipping off and everyone will look at me, the fear, and they have to list all the things that will happen. Yeah. And then, you know, she'd knock her drink off. And then the, the long-term goal is you get your patient to do it because then they finally face their fear. I guess that's what I'm coming back to. And then they go, eh. People looked up for a second and then went, I couldn't give a fuck about that person. Exactly. That's actually how life is, right? No one cares. Yes. Yeah. Um, 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 what's the, the, basically, all of all wisdom that you need is in Baz Luhrmann's sunscreen. Ah. Oh. And this, what's the thing about worry? Don't worry, but worry. But know that worrying is as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubble gum. The real worries in your life are apt to be things that never crossed your worried mind, the kind that blindsided you at 4 p.m. on some idle Tuesday. Man, I know, I love that line. And do you know what? I was in the back of a cab that came on about a year ago, and I think maybe it's an age thing. How old are you, Joe? Sorry. I... 21. Great. And the rest, and there's the another cliche. There's another cliche. He's three then... going on 21, fuck off. Uh, the rest is 10 years. I'm 31. Although by the time this, no, yes, if you're going out in a couple of weeks, I'll still be 31. It's my birthday on the 5th of July. Can't wait for your gift. I'm sending it right now. The, uh, I'm 34. So I, I don't know, something about 30s. Maybe it's, that's how I feel is 30s is when you start to go, fucking hell, life's quite serious sometimes. And like people start dying and all these things start happening and whatever. Yeah. And people get ill and you go, fuck, this is hard. Um, but yeah, I heard that song in the back of a cab and it's spoken to me before, but it spoke to me on a level where I was like, oh my God. And yeah, that no, line, I, that line is just like perfect. So much. Um, I, the one that I used to find really helpful when I was starting stand-up, because uh, when you're doing anything that essentially is showing off and trying to get more people to look at you showing off than other people, um, there is natural um, space for jealousy. And... Um, uh, the line in it is don't waste your time on jealousy sometimes you're ahead sometimes you're behind the race is long and in the end it's only with yourself and I think that's so, so good helpful yeah um it's not that helpful though when I get jealous oh no no, no jealousy oh. and it's right to get jealous <laughs> of fuck off Baz the race isn't with me it's with Jack Whitehall <laughs> Right. Oh, that was far too much. That's far too energetic. Let me do it again. But now it's rolling. We're about midway through the podcast. We are about half an hour in. We've got another 40 minutes, I would say, to go. And Joe um, is uh, consistently brilliant, as he already has been, um, talking about a lot of different subjects, his, his recent BAFTA nomination, um, all sorts of bits and pieces. Um, um, I just wanted to use this opportunity actually to do a few things, bit of admin. Thank you to everyone who's downloaded the podcast so far. Um, friends have been very uh, uh, kind about it, but also I've had a few comments from other people, which is brilliant that anyone's even listening to it. And the other thing 
uh, why have a podcast at all if you can't use it for some shameless self-promotion or, or, or messages so just want to say a big uh, happy birthday to my brother uh, Ben who's out in Norway um, and uh, yeah I know he listens to the podcast so uh, happy birthday for last week I hope you had a really nice time and uh, that, that means I don't have to send you a card so that's lovely okay um, next week we've got uh, Emma Howitt who's the lead singer of Chevy Chase Stole My Bride and uh, or wife oh god I've got it wrong sorry Emma but anyway this is Joe Lysip I'm so sorry bye fame Talk to me, Joe. What does it do to your head? I, that's that's one thing that I, I can't really answer because I don't know what... I do suspect that some of my anxiety over the last couple of years has come out of a, a raised profile, I suppose. But I don't know... Because some of it's... A lot of it's really fun. It's People are nice to you and um, it, you feel connected with the people around you and there's like a bit of a uh excitement sometimes when you walk into a room and it's nice to kind of i went in the post office today uh, it's a post office i'd not been in before and like there was this all this like oh my god you know all this stuff <laughs> like i just walked in the post office in my bloody jumper but it's so nice to be able to do that and everyone be excited and then other times when you don't want to be seen and you want to be i don't know you don't want to speak to anyone you have to really like turn it on you know and then i'm like oh what's jimmy car like yeah yeah exactly as you imagine you know it's uh, yeah, mate. and we by the way we didn't meet each other many times i think we literally met two or three times i probably when i tell people that i you know it's like yeah me and joe we we went on so many holidays together it was amazing but yeah we did jack we went on loads of holidays and i remember it was you that told me when i was saying oh i'm not going to try stand up you were like joe you've got to do it man yeah i do remember saying that i i i, I have said to people like you from what I remember, I'm like, Joe seems exactly the same. You don't seem to have become a monster, mate, is what I'm trying to say. I'm very good at hiding it. You're right. um, I'd like to think not. That's um, one thing that I really make a point of. And I said to my agent when I signed with her years ago, I was like, don't let me become a dickhead. Because I've, I've, I watched, I've watched people that happen to them. Mm. And uh fortunately in my generation of stand-up so all the people that i started with like josh widdicombe and romesh and Catherine ryan and ashling b all of these people they are i don't think we because i don't know whether it's because we wouldn't get away with it these days or whether we police ourselves better because there's a you know we just happen to be uh in a different generation or whatever we all seem to be i mean there's a few people that a, a bit naughtier than others and hmm. whatever but generally we're kind and you know we, d we don't do all of the um very selfish stuff which previous generations are guilty of and there's a lot of um surprising when you kind of work with some people and you go ah oh, that's a shame yeah um, you kind of see people behave in bad ways and um but i i rarely see it with my generation hmm. i see it with the older the older gang and maybe that will happen but i think from stories I've heard about the older gang, like they've always been like that. And if not, if, if, if anything, they've been worse. But um, I really make a point of, and sometimes to the detriment of my mental health, I think, really make a point of like of being accommodating. And particularly when you're hosting a TV show, I think it's really important to create a good atmosphere on the thing that you're doing. Yeah. If, you're, if you're like melancholy and maudlin about the thing that you're making, 
then everyone else will be that and it won't be fun for everyone. Mm. You can't do it. You can't make everyone like you or enjoy the job they're doing because you just don't know what their lives are going on in their lives. So they could just be like going through the motions and going back to horrible lives that they just think you're a prick and there's very little you can do about it. But generally I try and create an atmosphere of like one, like gratefulness, like thank you for working on this show because the hours that people do in television are um, ridiculous. And then two, just creating this sort of sense that people want to do it again and that they remember it fondly and go, oh, that was fun or what an amazing thing that was. What a, you know, uh, they, they miss it when it's gone um, because um, then, you know, it's, uh, it's better for everyone. Everyone makes better work. The, the work's kind of secondary, really, for me. It's that everything I've done really is just about kind of having fun and trying to, um, trying to, uh, distract from inevitable death. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm all about kind of, keep, um, keep it light, keep it light, Joe. Keep it yeah. Light. Well, <laughs> I find death quite light, really. <laughs> um, no, I think you're right. I think, and that's without getting to, that is kind, it's just shown kindness to people, which is really important. So yes. I think that really fucking annoyed me and I have to rant a little bit, mate, is hashtag be kind annoyed me quite a lot because I saw people posting hashtag be kind and I know them and thought, but you're, you're never, kind. I, I haven't seen much. Kind. So you might put it on a post, but actually do it. Actually do it. Yeah. There's, there's, um, uh, I remember there's a book that, um, Piers Morgan wrote years ago. I find <coughs> him fascinating Piers Morgan, particularly at the minute because he's such a shapeshifter and I like, find myself agreeing with him loads. And then I, I, I just think he's really interesting. But when he, when he was writing for the mirror, he wrote a kind of bit of a kind of, tell-all book about things that had happened um and uh, i remember finding it really interesting but um he uh i think it was him i haven't read it for ages but basically said that you realize when you're a journalist quite early on that um it's it's unwise to accuse people of hypocrisy um because or, or for that to be your only um uh your only line of attack because we're all hypocrites and we all, we all say stuff and do the opposite. And, um, we all behave in ways that are, um, you know, not, not ideal. And so you can only get so far by calling someone a hypocrite because they could easily find dozens of things that you've been hypocritical about. Yeah. So, so, (laughs) but I, but I do agree there's, there's, there is a sort of sense of, um, uh, the be kind thing was, which is happening in the Black Lives Matter thing currently. It happens a lot with queer activism of this sort of, um, what is being described quite accurately as performative. Mm. And actually there's no, um, uh, there's no real substance behind it. You know, if someone firing off a tweet to kind of make themselves look better than they are. But I, I was thinking about this in regards to the Black Lives Matter movement and the the, um, the accusation of the performative activism. And I'm not. I, I was think, reflecting on it in regards to the LGBTQ plus uh, community and 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 seeing it happen a lot with um, with issues in in that community. And I, th- I I I get that it's frustrating and I get that it's really annoying uh, when 
you've maybe been arguing a point for years and people haven't been listening and then suddenly something happens or some press gets somewhere and then somebody jumps on the bandwagon and they run with it and you think well hang on last time i checked with you you were you weren't doing this yeah and some some of what piers morgan's doing is is a little bit like that you're like well yeah it's i'm glad that you're saying it but like you weren't saying it before and actually in piers morgan's case some of it he kind of exacerbated himself and now he's sort of firing it down but um i'd rather someone perform at the role of being pro queer rights even if they haven't done it in the past and even if they're maybe not going to do it later yeah. than be a homophobe <laughs> do you know what i mean i'd rather them i'd rather them have a go and you know then get you know bored or move on to something else than than them actually just get really cross and uh, build up hatred. So oh, absolutely. I, th- I think the performative thing is, is really valid, but I don't, th- I don't think we should waste too much time having a go at people for being performative because that detracts from the real big issues that we have to deal with as a society. And, um, and actually, if people are performing it, then it's sort of working, isn't it? People feel like they have to perform because you know they want to be part of the the movement it's sort good. of like what the gibbons brothers have done with alan partridge is they sort of brought him into the, the the modern era by giving him this sense of like he wants to be uh you know he, he goes yeah, no abs- absolutely yeah you know yeah, of course you can be gay yeah uh, but actually he still doesn't believe that he, but he has to say it, and it's better that partridge isn't because we don't watch sorry i'm obsessed with partridge but you watch yeah. old partridge versus modern Partridge, like he said some pretty <laughs> offensive things and now mid morning matters is so much more yeah he's trying his hardest and you can see uh, tim key you 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 you're friends with tim key he's just so good in that but he's just oh yeah, i love tim key he's... you can see him he sort of pulls this sort of face where partridge is trying to work his way through the weeds of another social issue you're like just give it up mate it's fine yeah. <laughs> tim tim key is one of the most naturally hilarious people i've ever met i think he's um He's the, he's thrilling company. He's like the minute Tim Key is in a room, you're having fun. There's oh. there's uh, I, I adore that man, and I don't I barely see him. I don't I, um, much to my um, loss. Probably not his. He's he's probably having lots of fun with lots of people, but I um I think he's wonderful. No, he's yes, you're you're right. It's um the, the, there is a lot of the Alan Partridgeness to it. Um, how did we get onto this? What were we talking about before? This is, this is, by the way, so what I do for these interviews is I, I have like, you know, three or four things written down. What I end up doing is I look at the end and go, oh shit, I forgot. But I'd rather have a conversation, actually listen to what you're saying and then converse yeah. with you than go, this is what I don't want to do when I ask you a question. So tell me about the BAFTA and then go, yep, yep. Yeah, anyway, I've got the next question. So I don't care what you just said. I fucking hate those interviews. They're so... Yeah. Talk to I'm, me about the BAFTA, though. The BAFTA <clears throat> nom. You've been nommed. Uh, yeah. Thanks. I, I, <laughs> do you know what? I'm totally blown away by it. I, because the, the nomination is for the first series of Joe Lice has Got Your Back, which I was proud of. I think we did really good work on, on it. Um, but it was the first series. We were finding our feet. We got a lot wrong. And I felt like we really built on it for the second series. So my head has totally been in series two. I've been, and to be honest, I'd forgotten the BAFTAs were a thing because there's so much other stuff going on, Mm. far more important stuff. 
So it wasn't on my radar at all. I didn't know there were nominations or whatever. And then I wake up yesterday and I've been nominated, which is a lovely, brilliant thing, but totally unexpected and such um. Uh, so, I mean, it's a lovely thing, and I've never been nominated for um, anything like it. I think I'm also nominated for a TV Choice Award, so I know which one I'm going to be um, canvassing for. Um, but it's not... Uh, I, I don't like award ceremonies. I don't... I, I was asked to present at the BAFTAs, and I turned it down mm. um, because uh, I just don't... I don't enjoy I, I was working that night so it's a convenient excuse but um i don't like those events uh any any kind of gathering of people particularly if they're in show business is um a, f a fresh form of hell for me i love uh spending time with max six people at a dinner that's my idea Hel helpful with the new lockdown rules so very helpful very perfect helpful. yes i forgot about that um so um so a big event like that i don't really enjoy mm. and and i also see the baftas for what they are which is essentially a nonsense like they're they're, they're not really um i don't i don't really know what uh function they serve other than to sort of uh, for people who are doing quite well anyway to kind of congratulate themselves at how well they're doing yeah uh so <laughs> i mean the, the, perhaps that's me being um, ungracious about them. And no. I, th I think they do have a they do have a function in uh, encouraging new uh, artists and whatever. So they do, but um, and that's the that's the good part of what they do. But the, the awards and everything, I'm, I, I see. For, I, I I I don't do it for awards because that would be ridiculous. No. In the same way that like um, I don't do it for money. Uh, so people were sort of somebody said to me about kind of you know, getting into it, kind of, you know, making a career out of it. And I was thinking, uh, to be uh, immodest, I think I could probably, if I put the time in, I could become an accountant or a lawyer. I, I, I think I'm smart enough to do it. I, yeah. don't, I don't think that's beyond me. And uh, could easily make far more consistently make money. If that was my goal, I could, I could have gone about it in a very different way to driving up and down the M6 for 50 quid here and there to, so it's never been about money and never been about awards but having said all of that what a lovely thing of course that's so nice that you know your peers have gone he's good and that's a good show and we should recognize that so i'm naturally thrilled but i'm also uh kind of conflicted about it because i um i i, I essentially think they're all um it's just sort of thin air isn't it essentially well, you know. i have to agree with you i think you know this the, i use that phrase in this sort of self-congratulatory backslapping say aren't we great and i think also what it's telling isn't it in the edit because the, the big guys get a lot of time and then they go other awards and it's like the, the crew made the show it's like fuck you don't care and they just quickly yeah, yeah. Go, rattle through them yeah we don't care yeah. about these people they're not famous it's like i know but yeah. without them and i think what was nice about your I think it was on the gram. I think you mentioned about the crew as well, because like without the crew, you it's brilliant that show. I have to say, careful, I'm going to blow some smoke for a minute. It's fucking amazing. I love that show. It's a great, it's proper Friday night, brilliant. And some of the shit that you have, I get worried for you watching it because I'm like, Joe, yeah. man, don't yeah, don't yeah. go into the head office. Yeah. But it's it must be fun to film, and yeah. you've got a good crew behind you as well. So it's all the crew. I. I mean, I've, I've never worked harder on anything in my life. It's the most intense thing I've ever done, that show. Mm. But God, it's worth it because um, 
I spoke to the commissioners, um, a, a lovely woman who's been a massive support of mine for a long time. And she, uh, w yesterday we were talking about the BAFTA thing and kind of reflecting on the journey to, the, to said BAFTA. And that's what it's lovely for is like, um, some of the people who worked on the show have, have worked on lots of television shows and never been nominated for BAFTA. So they're really excited and uh, it's great for the production company. It's, you know, it's, it is, it's, it's a really lovely thing for lots of people uh, uh, alongside me. But um, uh, I forgot what the question was. God, uh, I'm hungover. I, no, I think I just said it must be good. <laughs> the crew. Crew, the crew. Yes. <laughs> so easily forgotten. Um, the gutter people, as I call them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I worked really hard on it. God, the man hours that went into that show and the wisdom and the expertise and the, because it's a, it's a complicated program to make because there's so many legal things involved in it. Um, I, I, the, the crew uh, and producers and writers and all of the people that, are, that, that put it together, it is, it's their show. Like I'm the dickhead who uh, it's got the name and the title and I host the thing or whatever, but none of it exists for me for me to if i tried to make that show without anybody else it would probably take me about 10 years per mm. episode because there's so much stuff that goes into it um i'm so reliant upon them so uh, it, it is you know in that wanky way is their award but i will take it and i will take all the glory obviously the the big new story was the Hugo Boss thing and you changing your name and the nicest thing to come out of that which I love is they cannot fucking tweet anymore it's so much fun but I follow them just to read the tweets and go yeah <laughs> um don't worry I could talk about the Hugo Boss thing for the rest of my life um, can you tell us what happened Joe in, in a, a preceed media, in a nutshell in a, in a media soundbite in a media soundbite um <laughs> So Hugo Boss are a, we all know who they are. They're a massive international company. They make billions of dollars and they send cease and desist letters to small companies who use the word boss and sometimes not even just, not even the word boss, but something that looks like boss. And they send these letters, which cease and desist basically means stop using the word boss or we'll sue you to high heaven or whatever. Um, they are, um, unnecessary uh, letters as far as I'm concerned they often go to companies that have got no um, similar copyrights or kind of brand imagery or anything it's like it's just nobody's going to confuse them and there's a, a boss brewing company um, called boss brewing based in Swansea who were issued one of these small brewing company cost them in the region of 25,000 pounds and uh, for, for what? Just, just so that Hugo Boss can kind of swing their dick around. And so uh, that was a story on my show. So Got Your Back, the show that I make, is like a kind of watchdog, um, comedy watchdog, rogue traders kind of format. And it was one of the stories that came up on there. And um, we did loads of research into it and we decided to take it on. And then we had a meeting and they were like, what are you going to do about it? What, what can we do? And we had all sorts of different thoughts. And uh, then I just had this moment where I was like, well, they don't like their name being used. What if I change my name by deed poll to Hugo Boss? And then everyone was like, uh, yeah. And then uh, I did it. <laughs> That's it. Uh, and um, 
And then what, what I thought would happen would be like the Birmingham Mail, which essentially write an article if I have a fart, um, <clears throat> would write something about it. Maybe Chortle, which is a... Um, uh, uh, comedy a, website. A comedy website would write about it. But yeah. I didn't really think it would, and it would get a bit of traction on social media. That's what I thought it would get, and it became a global news story. I, I get still get. The, apparently, they were talking. Uh, the producers of the show were talking to American producers about other formats, and they said, "Oh, you know, what shows do you make?" And they said, "Oh, we do this. Um, what we think we've got you back." And they're like, "Oh, he's the Hugo Boss guy." So it's, it's got like it's it's travelled, yeah. and. Um, I was getting requests for like Australian news, German news, all of these like, uh, you know, different countries. And it was written about in all over the world. And um, it really fucked them off, which is what we wanted to do. Good. We, we wanted them to give the money as a gesture of goodwill. Mm. We'd basically say, oh, you know, we'll pay off all of those legal fees and whatever that you had to pay for. But they absolutely didn't do that. Um, they, they released a kind of half-baked statement about how, you know, they welcomed me to the family and yada, yada, yada. Um, but it became this thing that will, will, I've since changed my name back, but it will follow me for the rest of my life. And I couldn't be more thrilled that that is the sort of thing that's following me around because it's uh, for a good cause. Uh, yeah. I don't think anyone could argue that uh, I was in the wrong, although people have tried. Um, people, have, people have sort of said, oh, well, it was just a publicity stunt. Yes, yeah, that, that's exactly what it was. Yes, yes. Uh, that's the whole point was we were trying to raise awareness of what they were doing because people didn't know what they were doing. Um, I don't think it will affect their brand going forward. I think Hugo Boss probably don't care about it anymore other than every time they tweet. And that's my, if that's my legacy, I'm happy with it. But and it's, it's still months on and there's been a fucking global pandemic and... Uh, the huge uh, activism that's been going on in America around Black Lives Matter and all sorts of other far more important stuff. And still, Hugo Boss put out a tweet and almost every reply is, have you checked this with Joe Lysett? Is it like, it's, <laughs> it's so, so funny to me. It's right. so funny to me. I just scroll through and just, you know, I add my, add my add it into it occasionally it, look it will be in your history in the same way that the fact they made uh, uniforms for the nazis will be in theirs so um yeah let's well, not what, forget what that beautiful about it i don't think that's it's there anymore is their wikipedia page <laughs> while i was hugo boss had a the first thing on it was if you're looking for the comedian hugo boss click here which i found the whole thing was so funny to me so brilliant um, and it's, it doesn't happen that often, those sorts of ideas where it really, you know, um, something takes hold and whatever. I've, been, I've had my fair share of them. And I do think I have this sort of mind that goes, what happens if we do that? Yeah. Um, and then, then I can't stop thinking about it. And then I think, well, how do we make it happen? And how do we make it funny? And how do we make a good point with it and all that? And um, What about from I'm a mental health perspective? Like, is there a bit of stress being in the national press? Did you worry that Hugo Boss and the lawyers would uh, be outside your house, you know? No, I was... That, that is when I'm at my happiest when really? something like that is happening. I was... I was... Because I knew... The press will turn things into all sorts of different uh, directions and they're well known for that. Mm -hmm. And words will get twisted and whatever. But I... I know in my heart that the things that I have done there, you know, I've not always done the right thing, but generally I know I don't, I don't have much guilt because I feel like 
generally I do the right thing or if I get it wrong, I did it for the right reasons. Mm. And so as I watched that blow up, I could, one, I could see the coverage was almost entirely um, on, on, the, on my side mm-hmm. and on the brewery side, but also uh, that if anyone sort of called it out and said like, it's a publicity stunt or whatever, they, whatever the accusations were, um, I was cool with it. The one part that was, did have an effect on my mental health a little bit, but I, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not even sure I'd argue it was my, my mental health. I just struggled with it, was the changing my name back because the artist in me felt like I should keep it for the rest of my life mm. or until, until they have met my demands to, uh, to give the money back. But I, they're not going to, they're never going to do it. And uh, so it was the right decision to change my name back, but I still, I still wonder whether it would be funnier if I continued to be Hugo Boss for the rest of my life. And in some ways it would, but it would then, what we realized is that, you know, the, the series got so many other stories and it's massive stories. About yeah, yeah, yeah. The way that Hermes treat your parcels and uh, AXA um, have been uh, not logging write-offs properly and ending up with them having to promise millions in compensation. All these stories would be detracted from if I was still banging the Hugo Boss drum. When actually we'd done our job, we'd made our point, we didn't need to do it any longer, you know, we'd kind of, we'd, we'd done it. So well, that's totally, and, and it, that's what if, you know, anyone who watches that show, well, I would feel almost, I don't know how you can't watch that show and have that, because the great thing is the comedy element of it, but you do feel a lot of outrage. It's a good half an hour of what the fuck, you know, I sit there listening to the interview with the Boss Brewery guys, just thinking, what, you know, and, and it's in, it is indefensible, in my opinion, it's in, indefensible. Mm. Um, they still managed to defend it, though. I mean, they're, they're pre- yeah. whoever writes that press release, you're like, do you believe what you're writing, really? Yeah, but that's sort of what I loved about it, is that as, as it was blowing up, I just wish that I'd been a fly on the wall in that company and watching. I asked, I did a, a radio thing on Radio 4 with the ex-editor of Vogue, and I asked her... Um, you know, what did she think would it would have been like? You know, do you mm. think they would have s- s- had a sense of humour about it and then felt they had to... And she just... Well, I, well, I loved what she said. She said, whatever they were discussing, they would have been wearing black. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's so perfect. So good. Whatever was said. Oh, man. They no. were wearing black. It's, you know. it was brilliant. Did you feel different as Hugo? Uh, did you have a different walk? Did it, did it affect your wiggle? Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely had a spring in my step. I definitely, and and that was the that was the other thing is that I stuck with it. So like, uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of a Starbucks coffee. Not had one in months. And every time I went into Starbucks, they'd say, "What's your name?" I'd say, "Hugo Boss." I'd say the full name, and then fellow fellow people in the queue would sort of start giggling, whatever. And I loved all that. You know, I really and I introduced myself as Hugo Boss. Uh, changed everything that I could to Hugo Boss. I was Hugo Boss for. <laughs> a section of my life i was it's, so good. it's the uh you that's amazing it is it's amazing stuff uh, look, i'm really conscious of your time so if i can grab you for five more minutes joe that'd be great just to, uh, um i love talking about myself uh, time, well you 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 know you're uh, you're very everyone here's the thing so i'm gonna i'm gonna here's the second smoke blow everyone i've mentioned uh to you know that i said is you're gonna be on there like, oh we love him i'm like yeah he's all right he's all right um you're a likable guy mate and i think everyone sort of 
there's not really anything, probably demons in the closet that you'll never tell anyone about, but not really anything to, you're not easy to hate, mate. Well, that's interesting you say that. I think that's part of, um, it, this relates to the mental health, so I'm glad you brought it up. Um, <laughs> my therapists, I've had a few, I've had a few over the years, um, and when my anxiety was very bad at the end of last year, I had a therapist who kind of unraveled me quite quickly. She was brilliant. Um, ironically, I went to see her because my schedule was overwhelming me, and the reason we didn't end up staying um, as a client and patient, whatever, because um, was because a client and therapist was because um, she decided she couldn't handle my schedule because I kept moving our appointments around or whatever. So she said, I can't, I can't actually deal with this. I said, mm. I've literally come to see you because I, I can't deal with it. And now <laughs> you can't fucking deal with it. Okay. But one thing that she uh, kind of eked out of me was that I'm a people pleaser. I think comics are, we all want to, our natural instinct is to kind of make a, uh, an audience love us as quickly as possible that's your job as a comic that you get the room to love you and then you can kind of do whatever you want you can say whatever you want and people will stick with you so that is my job but um that filters into my life as well and i'm not good at telling it's not the truth but like i'm not good at um telling my truth sometimes in that like sometimes i'm annoyed or i don't want to be somewhere or I don't, someone asks me to do something i don't want to do it and i just say oh yeah i'll do that and i actually end up filling my life with things that i don't really want to do because i'm polite essentially yeah. well i mean you um, can just just say it now this has been the worst experience of your life i hated it um okay. no, this is the thing in lockdown i've got so much better at it and i think my mental health is i've said no to so many things and uh god that sound that was wanky was it oh my god i've been asked <laughs> it's not even it's not even uh, like show no. busy things it's like uh, was it a, uh, was it was it a blowjob through a toilet door it was, was a i've said no to that <laughs> i was like i will give the blow i'm sorry um, mate back in your back in your glory hole get it get away from it get out you i miss glory holes you know i really i, I like it when the, the <laughs> <laughs> there used to be so many in the 90s and so many rude daubings and now they and the way sometimes councils and even places i've worked out with it is they just stuff it up with a bit of toilet paper and go i'll do yeah. no one's using that anymore yeah god that's a foolproof way of stopping an old knob going through um yes the glory i mean that's a whole other podcast isn't it the history of the glory hole um a club in Birmingham you might be well, I don't know if you're familiar with it. it's called Bolts and um Bolt Bolts I actually can't remember what it's called now it's Bolt or Bolts yeah. and it's a gay sex club uh it's a members club so you very much have to be a member I'm not but a member took me in once and uh, there's all sorts of fascinating contraptions in there um uh, horrendous stories I've heard coming out of it um <laughs> Anyway, talking about, uh, we're talking about being likable and whatever. Um, yeah, so my therapist sort of got to the, uh, essentially basically said like the amount of time you spend trying to, and energy you spend trying to be likable and agreeable and whatever, it's a massive drain because you're essentially having to not lie, but you're having to sort of suppress what you actually think about things in order to make other people happy or whatever. It's absolutely exhausting. And it's no wonder that that results in anxieties and all sorts of different things. Oh, completely. When I, so when I had a little mini breakdown last year, when my dad got quite ill with cancer, he's, he's, he's coming through it now, which is great. But I, I came back to work and I sort of had deleted that part of me, which is this, the honesty part. And one of my managers was like, have you met Honest Jack, who says exactly what he's thinking? I'm like, well, what's the fucking point in not anymore? I'm, yeah. I can't sit in a room anymore and hear someone say something that I think, 
Yes. Fundamentally disagree. And, and not only do I disagree because we were in a different viewpoint, that's wrong. We're going to make a wrong decision here, you know. Yeah. So it's not going to serve me well, maybe career wise, but um, I'd rather do that. I'd rather come out the other end and go, at least I didn't do this. Yeah. Thing. Well, that's it. And there's so many. Uh, I, 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 th I think I, I'm in this weird place um, uh, in terms of w career wise, in that I do straddle. I'm quite anti-establishment and, you know, got your back is, is a, um, is a, is a disruptor of a program. Mm. Um, but then I have sewing bee, which is the most mainstream, gentle, whatever. I like to think I throw in a few little things, but there's lots of jokes that we've presented to the producers. Uh, I say we, I write, uh, write it with my, um, writing companion, James. Um, there's lots that we've kind of, shown to them and they've gone there's absolutely no way we can put that on this program you bring you bring uh, an edge to it i think the reason a lot of people would watch that maybe they'd watch it for you and then get into it as well which i think yeah is a for me it's a savvy move by a producer to go should we have i mean you could just get sue perkins back which is sue's great but also you know hang on joe likes it and sewing yeah it doesn't it's but it's very mainstream and it's very um you know establishment kind of telly mm. it's like you know it's lovely. It was a lovely program, but it's so not what I saw myself doing. And I love making it. So, um, and God, it's the response has been amazing. That but, was um, huge. But it's, I mean, the whole, my whole job there is to be agreeable and to be likable and to be, and it's, it's not like I'm putting it on because I do, I genuinely love meeting the sewers and interacting with them, getting to know them. And I love interviewing people and discussing things with people. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I love all of that. But, um, the likable thing about me is sometimes there's a brilliant book, which is by a, uh, a psychologist called Adler. I've forgotten his first name. Um, it's not about, it's not by him, sorry, but it's about his philosophy. Um, and he was sort of against the model uh, that Freud had of kind of what happens to your childhood fucks you up because lots of people have traumatic childhoods and they're not fucked up in their adult life. So it's not, obviously that plays a role, but it's not, it's not one plus one equals two no. like oh well if you have trauma then this might be reflected here but it might not and adler actually basically thinks that or thought that the uh, uh you make a decision in your head before you realize so you might say something like oh uh i'd love to go to the shops but i get frightened when i go outside so i'm not going to go to the shops and actually the you get frightened to go out. I get frightened when I go outside is something that you've applied to yourself to stop yourself from going out to the shops. Hmm. And actually, if you just remove that and go, I'm going to the shops, then you've gone to the shops then. Yeah. And you, you've decided in your head, you don't want to go to the shops essentially. And you can, you sort of persuaded yourself. And the, the book about all of this is uh, called the courage to be disliked. And I found it very useful because um, not that I've been able to apply it entirely yet, it's quite hard to apply the, the philosophy of it, but I found it useful in little ways where I've just gone like, well, actually, for example, Black Lives Matter, I know when I post about it, that there will be some people being like, well, all lives matter. Mm -hmm. no, nobody's arguing that. Um, yeah. but like that I will lose some people, particularly because my audience has been accumulated now from bbc one shows about sewing and like they're from all over the place my audience on social media and inevitably you're going to have some people there that you don't 
agree with and don't agree with what you're saying. And I've, I've always been a bit nervous about tweeting stuff and thinking, oh, people will disagree with this. And actually, I've, I've got to the point now where I do just think, fuck it. Like, I think yeah. this and I'm going to say it a lot more. And people will dislike me and I've got to get used to that. Yeah, your circle, it happens in your circle of friends, isn't it? Your circle decreases as you get older because you start to be more yourself or whatever. whatever yeah, you, yeah, you just... Yeah. yeah. And I do the same on here. I was like, I'm really trying to, if I have a thought, I'll, and I just generally tend to just say it because don't, don't go, oh, I'll edit that because I want, I want every demographic to love me because that's sort yeah. of impossible. And anyway, what is a demographic anyway? I'm sure you've got, you know, uh, fans from five to, for, you know, 70, whatever. And to say, well, you're 70, so you're going to like this. You know, that's, that's where my dad gets ragey. He was like, fucking grey pound. If they mention the grey pound one more time, I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, it's just this, it's putting people in a box and whatever. But um, and, and I think, like, it, that still, you should still try and do the right thing and listen to other people. It's not like going, because so often I think I'm right and then I'm proven to be wrong. And there's still space for growth in all of that. But it's about kind of, it's a lot of the little shit in life where you just go, I don't, I don't want to go to that. I don't want to do this. Just don't, don't, don't go. Yeah. Kind of what I was saying about the BAFTAs. Like, I'm actually really thrilled to be nominated in a year when it's not happening because <laughs> it means I don't have to go. Yeah. Because I, I would hate it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like being there. I'd find the whole thing really false. And I'd go because... Uh, you know, you get to take the production team or whatever, and it, and it would be fun for them, and a lot of them would want to go. But if I had a choice, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be involved in it at all. Yeah, it's, it's, you I, know, I'm I really, still, it, I, it's a, it's a weird thing to say because I'm also thrilled to be nominated, and you know, I've tweeted about it, and you know, I'm showing off about it, and I'm like, oh, BAFTA nominee, all of that. But I don't want to be there, and I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> Last two things. Um, we talked about jealousy earlier. I'm hugely jealous that you've been on Rahalistapa, Richard Herring's. Uh, oh, what script. a podcast that is! Yeah. Mate, you you claim to be the the biggest fan. I I, I listen. Oh man, do I? I'm like not. I'm not. I mean, I do love that podcast, but I, I've not listened to them you, all. I, you fanboyed so much the first time, didn't you? Oh man, yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's my go-to podcast. I've got a long drive. I'm like, I'll smack a Rahalistapa on. Yeah, and um, he, he's fucking weird Richard Herring I love it he's like he's, he's but he's weird. he's he's someone who has clearly just gone uh this is these are my thoughts and I'm going to present them you know and and, and doesn't care what it doesn't seem to care what people think and it's I his, love that it's his bit at the top and sometimes it just dies on its ass and he goes yeah okay uh yeah you know, and he goes to the he, he clearly just like thinks about it on the way there fucking you, were on you straight can't after... write stand-up on the way there that's not how stand-up works but he just has a go you were on straight after limmy as well man oh man yeah. oh. i drank a lot i drank a lot as well yeah. i love i love mate i love that man limmy's limmy's great and he spoke about mental health a lot it's, a, it's almost like this is the reason i I'd like to do this podcast is to get people talking about it and normalize it a bit and see that you know even even people who are successful have issues and stuff and whatever but i think just, yeah it, you're, it's brilliant that you're doing that i think um it is something that uh, everyone will suffer with. Well, not everyone will, but most people will suffer with some mental health um, to do at some point in their life. Mm. And it really is uh, exacerbated by the fear of it and the stigma of it and whatever. That, that just actually makes it worse. Mm. And if we can just go like, sort of as we've discussed today, just go like, 
yeah, you know, you've got to face it and just accept it and whatever. I do think my instinct is, and here, here I am again going, I might be totally wrong on this, but I think things like this, where you speak to people in an honest way about their mental health, uh, could, uh, could actually be a real antidote to uh, issues of mental health. Fingers crossed. That's the whole idea. I, or I, you'll <laughs> ruin everyone's lives and, and your own. I'll unearth things that people are like, oh, I've never even thought about core beliefs. Have I got them? Oh, yeah. the, the mental health issues start going up. It, it, it's funny because I talk about mental health for like a couple of hours when I do these, but I don't actually think about mental health if that makes any sense because I'm talking yes. about it. And I yes. guess the analogy I use all the time and anyone, people will listen to this and go, I didn't know he was depressed. And a lot of people, friends of mine will go, what? Yeah, also yeah. i'm sorry i mean i i have uh i have had friends i've lost friends to depression and uh i have no idea the depths of that i got a tiny glimpse when my anxiety was at its worst when the mind really plays some horrible tricks on you mm. um but the thing and matt haig talks about this a lot obviously um and it's a it's an obvious point but you don't um you don't necessarily remember unless it's sort of pushed into you when you're going through those bouts is that nothing is forever. Mm -hmm. So in those moments where you feel like there's, there's no way out, there is a way out. And that way out is wait, let it play itself out. This won't be forever. Yeah. Because my therapist, we we all have like, like moments where we go like, Oh God, I'm really cross. Well, I'm yeah. really, oh God, what's this? Or whatever. And none of it, none of it stays forever because we all know that we then go and you go, oh God, I'm having pizza tonight. Lovely. You know, like <laughs> there, there's always something. And I, and, I, and I know I speak from a massively privileged position, but mental health doesn't really um, give a shit about privilege, really. It's about um, just loves to throw a, throw a little firecracker into any, uh, any old brain. Yeah. But, you, you, but if anyone's listening to this and they're going through a depressing, a depressed, oppressive, a bout of depression or anxiety or whatever, um, the key thing is, is it's not forever. Yeah. And you will have good times again. Completely agree. My therapist uses the phrase right now. And, you know, it's happening right now. You'll feel like this right now. I mistook it. So I just demand things now. I want a cup of tea right now. Yeah. That's how I use it. <laughs> now, yeah. right now. Um, no, well, she's, I've, she's I've slightly twisted my therapist's words about um, trying to be uh, comfortable with being disliked. Mm. It's one of the things I'm thinking of doing is setting up my own hate group on Facebook <laughs> without it being me on the face of it, but basically canvassing. Because, you know, people tweet me with nasty stuff quite, quite not loads. I, I get um, not nowhere near as much as a lot of people. But the, when they do... It's quite fun to sort of like just like log the name, whatever, and then eventually make a bit of a group and then try and get them into it and then almost start like Joe Lysett hate events with the, with the goal of me getting used to being disliked and get by doing that, do, go real like balls deep and go like these people openly despise me and my work. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's gather them it's and important see, and see if it can help my mental health <laughs> you don't you don't want to surround stuff with sycophants right you know and if you no. do if you do something that's shit i'll make sure i tweet you in the future and go joe that was shit yeah and then you will find that some alias of mine 
weeks later invites you to a Joe Lysa's <laughs> Not Funny group or something like that, and it'll be me. Who is, who is Bugo Hoss? Um, you're just, just slightly twisted. You'll be fine. Um, cool. Um, right, I'll probably... I will leave it there. There's, I, I'm on a podcast group that Ellison, John, you know, Ellison, James and John Robbins, right? They do the show on Five Live. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. And that's, so podcasts, the reason it's podcasts is they've got me through loads of shit, man. I just fill my ears through podcasts if I'm going through any shit. Uh, and they talk about depression a lot, but it's not advertised as that. You know, it's, they talk about it. But I don't think you'd know unless you ever tuned in. And, yeah. um, but I went on the group and I just said, you know, uh, I, I, I might be, I might be speaking to Joe and, uh, I've said any questions and just like, I wanted to read out two questions. Uh, uh, Katie Smith asked exactly how many coats do you have? Great question. I would say in the region of 30. That's 30. Three, three zero. Yeah. Three zero. I try and get a new faux fur coat every year. Never real fur, obviously. No. Um, or some sort of big statement coat a year. Good. Um, uh, actually, two more questions. Tom Goldsworthy asks, where does he get his crazy ideas from? Uh, massive amounts of drugs. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I, uh, if I'm actually honest, uh, I do feel like when all, pretty much all creativity, and this is going to sound like I've turned into Russell Brown or some um, lunatic, um, but uh, I, I feel like the ideas are given to me that I don't generate them. I just sort of open a door in my mind and they are passed through the door. I think all creativity comes from a place of being like relaxed and letting it come in. Yeah. Like, everything that I've done that, uh, that I've been proud of has essentially been given to me by some mind spirit. A hey, mind spirits they exist you spoke about before like going out and going out for a night out and having a drink rather than sitting at home trying to write and i think that is the but that's where the funniest idea is like your phone's full of th shit in the morning you're like oh that's hilarious which doesn't quite make sense but it is hilarious yeah um my housemate i've got to tell you this oh, I got, loved it. my housemate ben he woke up in the middle of the night i do this i have like a notepad next to the bed and write things down and he Work over the middle of the night and he's like, this is unbelievable. I'm going to write it down. This is, the, this is the best idea. Went back to sleep. Next morning, looked in the books, like woke up excited, like, fuck, I'm going to start working on this idea. Looked in the book and he'd written Narrow Elvis. <laughs> go to a producer with that. I've got a great yeah. idea. How did you get in front of the production company? Narrow Elvis. Fucking hell, narrow. Limmy's well, got. Limmy's got. Um, that, have you seen that sketch? Uh, sketch where he's like, um, uh, he plays to his. I think he just plays it to his uh, his housemate or something. Um, he's on the guitar and he goes wrong way <laughs> down a one way street. Yeah, and the and the guy goes, that's unbelievable. It's, and, then, it's, and then and then he's and it just gets bigger and bigger. And he's doing arenas with this one right. way down a one way street, and people can't believe it. It's the, uh, the first sketch is a car passes, and he just he just says it, and the guy goes, "That's it, that's Who's it." Who's that from? And then yeah, he plays it to his family, and then he does it to the producer, and he goes, <laughs> "Star." Yeah. And suddenly he's got this hit with Limmy's hit single, <laughs> "One Way Down a One Way Street," and that's it. Genius, that. Right. He's a genius. I love him. Fucking love that guy. Um, last things, Andrew Laying says, just telling my dad says hi from me. Don't know who that is. Hi. Hi. And also, what's your new project? What are you working on? What should we plug, Joe? What should people be watching? Other than the Sony B still on, obviously. Sony B uh, still on. Um, got you back. We'll have finished by now. Um, 
You doing any live internet gig things? Because I know a lot of stuff uh, doing that. No, not doing any of that. Uh, to be honest, I'm going to be uh, kind of a bit of a low profile. I've, there's th things that I've filmed that haven't gone out yet, um, like one-off appearances on QI and things like that. So I'll okay. still be popping up on things. But in terms of actually what I'm doing, we haven't had confirmation about anything in terms of filming because of Corona. Uh, so there's no, there's no, nothing in the, <laughs> there's nothing in the diary at this Great. point. Great. Yeah. Uh, what I would guess is I, when I'm allowed, which I don't think will be for probably a year or so, I'll start doing little gigs mm. uh, to try new material. And in that, in the rest of that time, I will probably be writing and making little short films. Um, I hope. Well, I was going to say of art. Oh, I'm doing like I'm hopefully going to do an exhibition at the end of um, uh, lockdown of some uh, like uh, bits of paintings. But again, that, it's an idea. There's nothing concrete, essentially. I don't know. I, you might never hear from me again. That's the hope. Um, I think we're all sort of you know you're on a, you're on the TV a lot, mate. We're sort of bored it's, of it. It's been too much. I, I, it's relentless. <sighs> actually, I think people are, will be quite glad. Of, a, of an absence of me uh, well I, I certainly will be thank you joe for joining me and for talking openly about stuff and um yeah it's it's nice that people with and let's face it in the same way that you bring your profile to uh, get your own get your own back is that it's got your back you're, you, okay. you're not the first and you won't be the last to, Sorry, dave, to dave benson phillips and you get on like a house on fire we do we um do. you know it's the same with this it's like more people listen hopefully people will go oh shit i was feeling shit today joe said stop feeling shit now I don't feel shit. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, what, I, what I will say is keep feeling shit. Like, mm. don't, don't resist the feeling shit. And uh, no, don't, don't try and make yourself happy. I mean, that's ridiculous. Em embrace the excrement and good luck. Um, embrace it. Yeah. And good luck. Thanks for having me. It's been, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've, uh, very kind. As I say, I love talking about myself, and I particularly loved the excuse to have a little cold beer. Can I can I play the podcast jingle as the outro as yes, we say please. goodbye? Yes, please. I'm going to wave like the end of a, a, a like a '90s game show. Great. You are a mental case. 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 You are mental. You are a mental case. You. Are a mental case, you are a mental case, you are a mental case, you are mental, possibly, we don't know till we talk about it, nope. might not be mental, and you might be a little bit mental, we don't know till we talk about it, so let's talk about it now, on the podcast, let's talk about it now. There you go. That was my jingle that I made. I basically so 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 derivative of Adam Buxton. So at some point, his lawyers will get in touch and go, "You fucking what?" I We're all derivative, darling. Yes, uh, mate. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Um, I need to piss like a racehorse. Like so a race, like a racist horse. Like a racist horse. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get pissed like a racist horse. <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know how they piss, but they certainly do. Uh, mate, um, I'll, I'll let you know when it's out and uh, I'll, I'll tweet about it and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yes, hopefully. you'll never hear from me again. Okay, thanks, um, Joe. Hey, <laughs> nice to speak to you, Jack. This is a pleasure. See you soon. Love you. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, bye. bye. bye.